0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. more information at RenewSanDiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. Scripture reading Acts 2, 1 through
1: 21. they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks
0: be to God. God. Gracious God, even as we hear the scripture of this amazing moment where you stepped into space and time in human history and changed the world once again, as we listen to the context of that scene with people from so many different ethnicities and cultures and nationalities all coming together. How badly we need that right now. On that first day of you sending your spirit into this world marked by beauty and pain, by hope and confusion, Today, here we are again with all of those markings as well, both in our world and in our own lives. However we come to this scripture and to this morning, help us to see that you know us and the complexity and contradiction and frustration of our lives and this world. You see it, you know it, you care about it, and you move toward us in sacrificial, self-giving love in the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ who sends His Spirit even now. And so it's by that Spirit we pray that You would teach us in a way that our lives would be transformed, that You would lift up our eyes to see a new horizon we could otherwise never imagine, that You would infuse our feet with hope as we walk in a new direction together. All of this can only take place through You. And so we invite You to do Your good work now, we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, as I mentioned at the beginning of our service here, this has been a week of tremendous highs and lows for me personally. On 40, on Thursday, I turned 40, which you might be wondering if that was a high or a low. I will tell you, that was an extreme high. In true Enneagram 7 form, if you don't know what that means, I'd be glad to share with you later. In true Enneagram 7 form where the world is my oyster and, uh, you know, what's, what's the right amount of celebration? Just a lot more. I started off early in the morning with family breakfast, breakfast burritos, hopped on my bicycle and just did a little... Uh, tour to celebration as I went from friend's home to friend's office on my bike with little mini birthday celebrations in the morning, ending up down at San Diego Harbor where I had a jet ski rental uh, appointment waiting for me right at noon. And now part of the wisdom of being 40 and having three kids is that I wanted to bring our kids along for the jet ski rental. So I got a two-hour rental. The first hour was just for me to go have a blast. And then after that, Florence came out with the other boys in a boat, and we rendezvoused, and then we just went and toured around the bay, great dinner together, super celebration, right? Yesterday, we saw a rocket take off from Florida that went at 16,200 miles per hour, bringing the United States back into launching space vehicles from our own soil. Joy, hope, excitement, and... We witnessed the murder of a man named George Floyd, Monday night. We are currently witnessing and many are participating in protests on social media or physically, many of which have turned violent and destructive. Uh, We're seeing protests turn into riots. We're seeing violence from protesters being met by violence from police officers, now escalating to the National Guard. We are a world in chaos. We are a people with marks of such hope, such beauty, such celebration, and such fracturedness, such brokenness, such pain, and such violence. And it's amazing on this moment as we come to this scripture of Pentecost that we see God's spirit come into a world that is both beautiful and hurting, that is both unjust and longing for justice God's spirit comes into this world this is what we're looking at today and when God's spirit comes into this world he comes as he says in in Acts 1 you'll be clothed with power from on high God's spirit comes and brings a new power into your life and into this world now here's the thing about power you and I are suspicious of power rightfully so We see politicians make claims so that they can get power and then they use power on behalf of themselves or their own tribe, We see uh, leaders using their power to make bad decisions in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic that we realize now as we analyze it could have actually saved thousands and thousands of lives if better decisions had been made earlier with power, with influence. And now as we examine the police system, Uh, The justice system in our country, again and again, we say, we are suspicious of people with power because we know that people use power for their own good. So here's the question. Is it possible to be filled with a power that instead of greed and corruption, it actually fills you with connection, compassion? A sense of direction and meaning and purpose and new depth and dimension in your life. And Pentecost comes to you and says, yes, that is the power of God in your life. So I invite you to open yourself to this mysterious, flowing, dynamic work. This morning as you study and question and explore and grow, realize that you are not in control of your life and that's okay. Because God sends his spirit into the beauty and into the chaos. Now, before we get into the spirit of God and God's work in your life, first, I just want to identify a little context. First, what is Pentecost? There already was a Pentecost. Okay, So we didn't just read the first Pentecost. It said in verse 1, when they were gathered together for Pentecost. And if you've studied any of your linguistics, you would know that penta would, could mean five or 50. And so there was already a festival that would take place 50 days after the Passover, which was also 50 days after harvest. And this was known as the festival of the first fruits. Okay, the festival of the first fruits. So um, 50 days, you know, harvest is going on And the first fruits are starting to come in and it's a sneak preview of what the harvest is going to be like. So if you're a vintner and you're growing grapes for wine and you get your first fruits it's not the whole harvest yet but it's an indicator of what the harvest will be like and Those are real grapes now, and you can start making wine right now. So it is a sneak preview. It's a down payment. It is a foretaste of what is to come. So here we are at the Festival of First Fruits, and the Spirit comes. Also, this is 50 days after Passover, where we have remembered uh, that Moses had given the law, was given the law by, by God at Mount Sinai. And so Pentecost is the festival when Israel is remembering God coming down in power, to Moses to give the law. God comes in fire and wind, and the mountain shook, and Moses had to hide so he could not be destroyed by the powerful presence of God. Now, here, the same thing is happening, only more powerful and more intimate. Instead of the power of God blowing them apart, it's actually making them more whole and more alive. The Holy Spirit is the presence and power of God to fill, not just around you, not just before you, but God in you. If Moses could address this crowd on Pentecost, he might say, the thing I couldn't even get near can actually come into you. Now, every Christian united to God in Christ, filled with the Spirit, is the mountain, is the place where God's Spirit dwells. Every person in this place was the mountain. Later on, the Apostle Paul will reflect on this and he will say, you are a temple of the living God. You are the place where God's Spirit dwells. So one thing we can take away from the beginning is to be a Christian means to live life more awake, more engaged, and more responsibly. Not to gain God's approval, but taking on the gravity that you represent God to others through your life. God fills you with his Spirit so that you can go on and reflect his life to others. Now, let's look at what the Spirit does on Pentecost, and maybe we'll put it under these three headings. Pentecost, or the Spirit, brings God's future into the present. The Holy Spirit brings you into a new family, and the Holy Spirit propels you into a new purpose. Okay? First, the Holy Spirit brings God's future into the present. I told you about how this took place on Pentecost, the festival of the first fruits. And one of the things we see here is that God's future glory, redemption, rescue, renewal, salvation are not just vision and values and hopes for the future but they're actually rushing forth to meet us in the present moment. The Holy Spirit is the currency, the power, the presence of God's coming kingdom. As we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And his answer is, yes, I will send you my spirit to make that kingdom be birthed in your heart, to radiate through your life so that you can live as a citizen of that kingdom in this world, and we'll talk about what the marks of that kingdom look like just a little bit here. Friends, just consider for a moment. If that's true, if God's presence is in you now, do you see how that gives you both confidence and humility at the same time? Confidence and humility. The confidence is you start to realize That God is for us. Okay, There are basically three worldviews in this category. God is for us, God is against us, or God is indifferent. And if you have one of the latter two worldviews, you can be assured that Pentecost has not happened in your life yet. At least not in the way that God wants to bring it. Because if God is indifferent, then everything is up to you. You're living in a sort of deism, maybe there's a lot of religiosity going on, but there's no active trust of divine awareness. It's all up to you. you got to take care of yourself. If God is against us, if God is the nagging critic, then your anxiety will reveal your belief system. If God isn't on your side, you've got to fix and control your world, and very soon you will use religion to do it. You will become the kind of person that needs to fix and control everybody around you. But Pentecost teaches God is for you more than you are even for yourself. Seeing this avoids the ditch of cynicism on one side that says it can never get better, or the ditch of triumphalism on the other side that says you can never fail. But rather, it invites you into trust and hope. And relationship with the living God even through a life with all of its mystery complexity and unpredictability to know that he will not just be with you wherever this path leads he will be in you never leaving you or forsake you Pentecost brings God's future into the present it also brings you into a new family Because one of the things that's happening here in all of those different people from different countries and ethnicities that Christina read so well is that these are people that don't naturally get along with each other. These are people that don't share the same language, same cultural tastes, same stories, same patterns. This is the surprising reality of a new family that's being birthed in the midst of the old. One of the ways that the Apostle Paul will go on to talk about the church, this family that is unified by God's Spirit, is we'll say, you are all children of God. So to be a Christian, to be baptized into Christ, means that you now identify with God the Father as a child. You identify with Jesus as your brother and adopted into this family, you look around the table and there are brothers and sisters that you would have never asked for if it was your choice, but it's not your choice. The family is far bigger than you imagine. In fact, maybe you've noticed today that this is a much bigger loaf of bread than we normally have on Sunday here. This is intentional. So that when we have communion today, you and I can remember the table is far bigger than we could possibly imagine. Inclusive of far more people than we would have invited to the table if it was our banquet. But it's not our banquet, and that's great news. <laughs> it's the banquet of the one who's making all things new. Children of God, adopted into the family. We are all brothers and sisters. I, begin, I believe that we begin to treat each other as outsiders when we forget our own inside status with God. When we forget how loved and included and accepted we are, we start to go to battle with one another. But when we see that his arms are open far wider than we could ever imagine, we then begin to have new courage, new confidence, new ability to open our arms wide as well. It doesn't mean that you say everything goes or it doesn't matter what people do or what people say. No, no, no. It's not universalism in that sense. It's a spaciousness. It's a graciousness to to accept and understand that God opens his arms wider than we can imagine. So he accepts and includes you at the table. And he accepts and includes them, whoever they are in your category. You know, part of what strikes me whenever I read this passage, uh, when when you you go on to read Acts chapter 2 with their new courage and humility, they go out, and Peter, the apostle, preaches this sermon, and 3,000 people are added to that number that day. And then it goes on to say, you know, they met together in their homes, and they broke bread, and they ate and drank together. And, and uh, they sold all their property, and they gave to each other as people had need. And there's this beautiful picture. Of the kingdom of God. And there are entire churches and denominations and movements that start. And they say things like, we want an Acts 2 church. You know, and folks who read this stuff very often, they go, oh, I I think I know what that means. I want an Acts 2 church. The thing about it is, you don't have an Acts 2 church like this for very long. Until you read four chapters later and you get an Acts 6 church. Okay? So even with unity, best intentions, and the power of the Holy Spirit... Acts 6, same city, same people, opens up and says, Now the Greek widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food by the Hebrews. Okay? Just four chapters later, we have gone from racial and ethnic diversity and unity and charity to racial and ethnic exclusion. And I don't think they meant to do it. I don't think anyone woke up in the morning and said, I want to keep those people out. I think it's a picture of the gravity of the human heart to draw lines of who is in and who is out, who is like us and who is not like us. And we have to constantly recalibrate our GPS back to the coordinates of the kingdom of God that says, it's not us, them, it's we. We are all coming to the table together. Now, in Acts 6, they have a beautiful solution. I don't want to steal my own thunder if I'm preaching on this soon, but part of the solution was they said, Okay, it's the Greek people who are being excluded. Instead of the majority culture Hebrews making up policies to care for these other people, they actually empowered the marginalized and put seven Greek people in charge of distributing bread to make sure that everybody would have enough. It takes wisdom, it takes courage, it takes stick to it takes reconciliation. In a, in, a, in a marriage, in a friendship, in a community, you may, might have seen a bumper sticker that says, love means never having to say you're sorry. That is hogwash. In the best relationships, love means being able to say you're sorry first and then take the actions to make it right. This is what the early church had to figure out. This is what we have to figure out today as well. This is what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God as we are brought into a new family that brings all sorts of people together. Friends, as we hear this vision, there's something that that wells up in my heart right now with the headlines that we're reading, with our nation in chaos, with racial tensions as difficult as as ever, um, that says this is what the watching and waiting world needs. This is what you and I need so badly. And Pentecost comes and says, it's not on layaway. It's not something far off and in the future. It's right here and right now. And so our calling is to access it. Practice it. What what does it look like for you to be a person of that new creation, of that big family? Maybe today you reflect and think, who are the people that I draw on the outside of my circle? And what would be a thoughtful way to begin including those people as we continue to move forward in the kingdom of God? I mean, the consistent message that we get throughout the gospel is that God seeks And pursues union with us. And then sends us out. In John 15, Jesus tells us, you are friends, not servants. Later we hear, you are heirs, inheritors, not slaves. You are children, not laborers. Do you hear that? You are friends, heirs, and children of God. Sent out in the family business of renewal and reconciliation. What difference might it make if you have a new primary identity as son or daughter? Can you imagine? It means you don't have to control everything. It means you don't have to change everybody around you. It means you can be patient with yourself. You can surrender to a God who is for you and remind yourself time and again, I am Beloved, and I will be taken care of. Holy Spirit brings you into a new family. Finally, the Holy Spirit propels you into a new purpose, a new direction, a new mission, and a new path. You see, God's presence fills and then it sends them out. The miracle of speaking other languages to all the people and all the cultures present. Uh, mirrors and reflects what God had promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he says, You will be clothed with power from on high, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And now, this is what it looks like when all people are coming together. It's interesting when you pair this passage with its companion passage all the way back in Genesis chapter 11, the story of the Tower of Babel. Where back in Genesis 11, actually right before that, God said to God's people, be fruitful and multiply, move out and fill the earth and care for it. And then the people say, let us build a city with a great tower so that we will not be scattered among the earth and have to move out from here. Okay, you hear the, so basically they're just thumbing their nose at him and saying no. In the midst of all that, God confuses their language. So that they cannot communicate with one another and continue to advance their rebellion against God and ultimately against themselves and scatters them. And then you fast forward to Acts chapter 2, that when the Holy Spirit comes, you have people in a confused language because they speak so many, perplexed and surprised because they can each understand the word in their own language. It is the reverse of the curse. It is the putting back together of everything that has come undone. Now notice, the mark of the Spirit does not make everyone uniform. It does not say they therefore spoke only one language from that point forward. It said each of them understood in their own language. Diversity and unity. God bringing together an unlikely group of people around his table which we see then in the closing pages of scripture that give a vision of where God's kingdom is going and what it looks like when it fully comes and what is it marked by? We say it every Sunday at this table people of every ethnicity and culture streaming together around the throne of Jesus Christ a picture of a great banquet in which we raise our glass to the captain of our salvation who's made all things new every tear will be wiped from every eye Every injustice will be done away with. Death itself will be no more because the kingdom is coming. And so even now, the Holy Spirit, the first fruit, the down payment, the sneak preview, is that power of that kingdom in your life and in mine right now. And so the Christian life is to trust that, to walk in that direction. And friends, we know it is two steps forward and one step back, and don't try it alone. That's why we have the church community to walk together. But as you do, Scripture then says you are not only a citizen of the kingdom of God, you're also an ambassador of it. Right? Think about when an ambassador goes to a place that has been torn up by a natural disaster versus what a tourist looks like when they go to the same place. A tourist gets out of the air-conditioned tour bus and takes out their phone and starts taking selfies and Instagramming everything just to tell all their followers. An ambassador goes on behalf of the people they represent with all of the resources and ability marshaled from that group. And they go looking for the pain points so that they can pour out their resources on behalf of where it's needed most. Friends, are you living right now in this pandemic? Are you living right now in the midst of our nation's cry for racial justice as a tourist or as an ambassador? What does it look like for you and me to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God, empowered by the Spirit, right now? This is our great calling. I'm struck as I read about this very first worship service with the very first sermon. The first ser- worship service was in what culture? All of them. The first sermon was preached in what language? All of them. The kingdom of God is for all the nations. When when God's spirit came down and reversed our default drive of us versus them, we begin to see the kingdom of God anew. And so, friends, this is our great calling. I'll just point out one final thing. And and some different Christian denominations or well-meaning people have written books on this about the mark of the Holy Spirit in your life. And one of the marks is, you know, do you speak in tongues like these first people did? Do you speak these mysterious languages? If you do, you have this higher spiritual status with God and more intimacy. And if you don't, you know, pray harder and try harder and maybe he'll give it to you one of these days. I just want to point out That's actually not the perspective of this passage. The speaking in tongues and being filled with the Holy Spirit was for the purpose of mission. In other words, the speaking of different languages was to facilitate the ability to communicate with others so that more reconciliation could ensue. Really, so that more people could see, hear, and understand. Could be reunited with God. Reconnected with one another and redirected outward in mission to serve their neighbors. You know, those are the three R's of Renewed Church. Reunited, reconnected, redirected. We didn't think that up. This goes all the way back to our earliest calling. And so, friends, I invite you to hear the invitation to the most exciting adventure you will ever be on. The invitation that you were made for. Let's pray. Gracious God, we pray now that you would fill us with your spirit as you did on that Pentecost day in ways that are powerful, that we can detect and celebrate. We also recognize that the testimony of most Christians who have gone before us is that the spirit moves in mysterious ways, often hidden, often under the surface, that we can't even become aware of until we look back in reflection with hindsight. And so help us now as we call on your name, as we receive you into our lives afresh, to trust that you've filled us with your spirit. Bring your future into our present. Bring us into this new family and help us to make space for one another in our thoughts, words, and deeds. And send us out likewise to be agents of your renewal wherever we go. We pray these things in your name. Amen.